This is Tarot for the Wild Soul, a weekly tarot podcast about life, death, and rebirth, hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. Hey, wild souls, it's Linz. It's wonderful to connect with all of you as always. Thank you so much for your patience with this episode. Um, Quite frankly, on Friday or Thursday before this episode was supposed to be recorded, um, I was bleeding. I was in the middle of my cycle and uh, uh, my body just said no. (laughs) So um, I I honored it and uh, here I am. Um, we are almost, um, by the time you get this, we'll just have a few more days in Mercury retrograde, um, and then we'll be in Mercury shadow after the 20th and, um, definitely, uh, bowing in solidarity to those of you who feel Mercury shadow like me way more intensely than the retrograde. This retrograde has actually been the most beautiful, intense, lovely, um, little womb for me. Um, and, uh, I hope it's felt nourishing and positive as much as this kind of a experience, um, of the deep medicine of Scorpio season can be. I hope it's been, uh, helpful and nourishing to all of you. Um, I think that today, I'm just going to get right to it. I don't think I have any announcements. I don't think, yeah, I don't think so. There'll be another episode Friday. So the the episodes will just keep um, rolling from here. Um, So today we're talking about the Wheel of Fortune. Um, And I've mentioned the Wheel of Fortune on this podcast. I've not, I don't believe ever devoted a a whole episode to it. Uh, In fact, I I know that I haven't. (laughs) Um, and I thought that it was time. Uh, and so today what I'm going to be doing is, uh, kind of two things. Uh, one is of course, we're going to be talking about the soul centered evolutionary perspective on wheel of fortune, which I think, uh, is always important. It's crucial with all the cards in the tarot, but specifically wheel of fortune is one of the more important cards because, um, one, it's really, really, really esoteric. And I believe really challenging to see and understand how it can be kind of understood or contextualized in an everyday perspective. In other words, if you're just kind of going about your day and you get wheel of fortune, it's very normal, even for the most seasoned and experienced of readers to be like, um, I'm not sure quite what to do with that. So we're going to talk about that and how we can begin to see it as a really powerful invitation to, um, really gain knowledge and wisdom on staying in our center in times that are both, um, maybe fraught with difficulty and also, uh, not fraught with difficulty. Um, just really, is a a living meditation practice, the Wheel of Fortune card on staying in our center no matter what comes up and uh, how to stay in our center through time. So of course, we'll talk about that kind of uh, leaning into finding the center of the cyclone or the spiral within us. And I'm also going to do something that I don't uh, always do, uh, which is really lean into decoding the iconography and the symbolism on the Smith Rider Waite 
uh, Wheel of Fortune card because I think that um, it's valuable. I think there's a lot on there that um, I know from my students that there's a lot of curiosity and a lot of head scratching, not always super clear about what all of the iconography means or what it represents. And so I don't normally lean into that because it's just not even where a lot of my passion lives. Like so many people are really passionate about talking about kind of the roots and the history, especially of Smith Rider Waite Tarot. Um, but I thought that this one would be interesting and important. And just a very gentle note to say that in the Smith Rider Waite Wheel of Fortune card, there are, of course, um, Hebrew letters, as there are many of the Smith Rider Waite cards. And normally, I do not uh, speak about the Hebrew alphabet and the presence of it on the tarot because I'm not Jewish and I have such enormous respect for that faith belief system and respect for the language um, that I never touch on it because I think there are people who are better at it than I. So just wanted to offer a note that in speaking about the iconography, I'm really not going to be spending any time on um, that portion of the card, not because it's not important to me and a beautiful part of the card, but because it's just not my lineage and I choose not to um, spend time teaching anything on tarot that I don't know and I'm not as informed about and that I think you could gain such better uh, education about from a Jewish or um, knowledged tarot reader who knows a little bit more about the language. So um, if you're finding yourself wanting that I'm not going into more about the tetragrammaton, that's the reason. So I just wanted to be transparent about that. So... Wheel of Fortune, card number 10, ruled by Jupiter, also has some rulings with Capricorn. Um, of course, we can also associate Wheel of Fortune with Sagittarius because Jupiter is uh, Sagittarius's ruling planet. 10, both the beginning and the end of a cycle. So we know that any time we get Wheel of Fortune, we're at the beginning of something and at the end of something else. So we're letting something die at the same time as we're letting something be born. And the key, actually, quite a bit of that is on the card, which we'll talk about. Um, and, you know, not to go back before we go forward, but um, obviously there are a million other Wheel of Fortune cards. And it's kind of like, well, why focus on Smith Rider Waite? Um, one of the reasons is because Smith Rider Waite is really a backbone for almost every deck that's ever been created. And if you kind of know what they chose to do, it can help even if you don't want to reference it or if you don't like it or if you don't agree with it. Um, very important to understand where we've been so that we can go forward with wisdom and clarity, but also really powerful to understand a little bit of how they try to contextualize and decode, kind of put into physical form some of these great mysteries because really Wheel of Fortune is about birth and death happening in one moment. It's really a, a synthesis of creation and destruction, of expansion and contraction at the same time. Um, it's kind of the whole tarot in one card. It's also kind of life um, that we're both dying as soon as we're born, that we're growing as we shed, that we're shedding as we grow. Um, and the wildest thing about Wheel of Fortune is that for all that we're talking about, one of the most distinct things about this card is that you don't actually do anything to make the wheel turn. 
And that's the biggest trip about life, right? Is like, we have these egos, we have these brains and we think we're in, and we have free will and our free will is strong and potent and, and incredible, but we're also not in any way in control of most things in life. We're not always in control of what happens to us. We're not always in control of, we're certainly not in control of our death unless we, um, take, uh, empowered steps to do so. Um, but if we die a death that is happening, um, you know, completely randomly, uh, there's no control over that. And unless we are in the same token, um, taking empowered steps with our birth, the birth of our children, um, in which, you know, there are a million reasons to do that. Um, babies kind of birth themselves. And the same is true when we have planned births or scheduled births. Like, you know, there's always flexibility on the birth death spectrum, you know, um, but the control of it is tricky, right? Not always, sometimes, but not always. Those really big waves, those really big moments. Um, if you're a bleeding person, you didn't choose to set the wheels in motion with your fertility or your bleeding cycles. Um, if you're not a bleeding person, you didn't choose to set the wheels in motion with your um, puberty, you know, uh, with your menopause, with your, uh, like, you know, goes on and on and on, right? a million things in this life that we can choose to respond to, but we're not necessarily pulling the cord on. Um, and even sometimes when we do pull that cord, um, very often, you know, again, we're talking about the epitome of great mystery. So who knows is, you know, there's an alignment to everything, even if it doesn't feel that way, it's all about how we respond to it. So, what we're really talking about is a microcosm of life, and that is present in the Wheel of Fortune. And when we talk about what it means to stay in our center, what we're really talking about is how do we get through life? Like, how do we actually move through the day-to-day, -day, the moments when we don't have any control and where we are trying to or intending to surrender to what arises, especially when it feels chaotic or unfair. Um, and with certain moments, it is absolutely in alignment to take action, step forward, all that stuff. Um, but we're not quite talking about that because we can take action and step forward in a million ways. But with Wheel of Fortune, what we're really talking about is moments in which in our lives, the wheel of change starts to turn where we actually move from one state of being in our lives to another. And we don't have any control over the movement of that wheel. We just don't. That's it. After we die, the world will keep turning until it doesn't <laughs> or until it transforms or evolves into something completely different human beings may have absolutely no way to live on the planet and it will still keep moving. And eventually it will gain the ability to support certain forms of life again. Um, and we will be here or we won't. And the wheel will keep turning. I mean, this is, it's really wild shit. Um, and yet it's like the truest truth that we don't really have any control. Um, and those 
themes of life are really scary and they're scary for a reason because we don't like to not have control. The nervous system, the brain, you know, this is really, um, this is really, um, universal, you know, that we, we don't like the experience. So if we can't control it and we can't do anything about it other than respond to what we're handed or um, if there is a circumstance with our lives at a certain moment where we don't um, particularly like or enjoy the way that the wheel is turning, but there isn't really anything to do about it, how do we respond to that? The Wheel of Fortune card in the tarot is the great teacher of that. Um, And the answer is cultivate the tools and the steps and the ability to learn to stay in our center in the moments when life starts moving around us and when we actually don't really have a job or a role in that great turning. Our job is to tend to this ecosystem, the body, our mind, maybe our family, um, sometimes not our family. Sometimes the energy will say, you know, well, I've got to take care of this person, that person, that person. And when Wheel of Fortune comes up, a lot of the time it says, you can, but first let it come from the center. And if the center includes other people, that's great. But if it doesn't, let them learn to stay in their center too. So it all depends. Obviously, if you have a young child, you're not going to leave them out in the lurch. We just use our common sense here. Um, But a lot of the time we project that other people need us. We have to be there. We have to overcome our stuff to be with other people. Um, And that's not actually the truth. We don't have to do that. If it's in alignment for us to hold space while we're holding space for ourselves, that's great. Um, Staying in our center means that we're comfortable or at least willing to be with the practice of not doing while things are moving around us. Um, That we cultivate the ability to be very, very present. Um, Because Wheel of Fortune is both incredibly mundane and wildly transformative and magical and alchemical. It's, you know, just the, the epitome of alchemy. And, you know, again, the, the holy breeding ground of death and rebirth. Um, and really what, how Wheel of Fortune shows up for us is, you know, we're going about our lives. We pull this card and it's a heads up. It's an invitation from spirits basically saying, hey, things are changing they're transforming, whether you know it or not, whether you can feel it or not, and probably you won't feel it right now, but you might be seized by an urge to feel like you have to do something. And you may not even know what that is, but just a sense of like, okay, should I be preparing? Should I be moving this way, that way? And when Wheel of Fortune comes up, spirit is basically saying, you don't have to do anything. In fact, the more you have your fingers on the wheel, the more you're going to feel the bumps in the road as this vehicle moves you through your life. Where you can find refuge is the center. Where you will feel the least amount of bumps is the center. And what does it mean to be centered? It, it certainly doesn't mean sitting like meditators or like yogis or however we might envision, 
you know, somebody like an enlightened being up on a rock. It's actually quite of the world and in the mundane. Um, staying in your center means that when the brain, when the impulses kind of um, snake out into, I got to figure out what I'm doing next. I have to figure out how I'm going to get this. I have to figure out this, this, this. Um, and we pull wheel of fortune or when we get this sense that we so desperately have to figure something out, but there's nothing to figure out, you're in Wheel of Fortune energy. You can just, you can know that <laughs> to be sure. Um, and what it means to stay in our center is to actually start with what is immediately in front of you. Immediately. And I mean, literally opening your eyes right now as you listen to this podcast and saying, you know, right now I'm looking at my desk where I'm recording this and I see like a tissue on my desk. And if I was to recenter and move back into the center of my evolving, revolving spiral, I would just say, okay, in this moment, I'm going to put the tissue in the trash bin. Um, maybe then I would expand my view a little bit and see that there are some papers on the floor. And I would say, okay, Maybe I'll take the next 10 minutes to grab those papers and actually file them in my filing cabinet rather than keep them in a pile where they were previously on my desk until I started to record and then I dropped them on the floor. <laughs> um, and then I might expand out a little bigger, look at my whole room and say, oh yeah, I have to, you know, water that plant. Um, her watering was yesterday. And then I might expand out a little further and say, you know, okay, I, you know, I can um, maybe vacuum today. Or I can um, complete the dishes today. Or I can throw another load of laundry in. Um, or I can say, you know, I really need to pick up olive oil. I'll go do that. Um, that's what it is to be actually in your center. It means that you're chopping wood and carrying water. It just means that you're being in your life. And while you're busy in your life, actually doing what's in front of you, the wheel can turn in a way that is in alignment for you. Here's the truth about Wheel of Fortune. The truth about Wheel of Fortune is that it is not what it has been um, proclaimed to be for so long, which is just this like random ass wheel that is turning and you can get a shitty hand on the wheel or you can get a great, you know, it. there's a sense of randomness to it um, that's really been a part of... Um, the kind of the root system of the, of the teachings of Wheel of Fortune is like, it could be good, it could be bad. And here's the truth. There's never a bad turn on Wheel of Fortune, ever, ever, ever. There is not a spot that that wheel can turn for you that's bad, that's going to be shitty. This is not a malevolent universe and nothing is going to give you anything that's just like um, you got a bad hand and you get screwed. But here's what can happen. This is why the confusion has developed about Wheel of Fortune being shitty or great. We do have free will. So when the wheel turns for you, if you are really committed, and I don't say this to make anybody feel judged. I have also had this commitment myself. If you are really committed to not staying in the center of your wheel, to being up on the tire and to saying, 
there's no fucking way that I'm going to let go of that. Like, I have to do something about this. I have to be a part of this. Then what we can do while we're busy trying to control the wheel is that if we think of ourselves kind of gliding down a highway, there can be an exit that we assume we're going to hit, but we don't because we're really busy trying to control. And then it becomes about the bumps. Then it becomes less about, so something that could maybe unfold, like let's say over two days, let's say it's, it's two days that you're in wheel of fortune where you're staying in your center, you're being very present and aligned and the wheel is finished moving for you in two days. And then all of a sudden, like things have clicked over and you're heading in the right direction. And in two days, it's not usually two, but let's just say you feel like a lift an energetic change. And you just think like, Oh wow. Like I, I, yeah, whoa, this thing just opened up. And, um, now I'm actually taking action and moving in this direction. There's an organic movement that is always for you with wheel of fortune. And if we can stay at the center, it actually takes our hands off the controls. It takes us out of the wheel, out of the kind of bumpiness, um, so that things can move more fluidly. And freely, so there can be actually less uh, discomfort, even though staying in our center when we really want to grip and control is super uncomfortable. It's actually less uncomfortable than trying to grip and control because what happens is that we're uncomfortable. So we try to grip and control and stay on the outside of the wheel and figure out what's coming next when there's no way to do that in Wheel of Fortune. It's just only the moment of your life. Um, and you can really say that with anything, but there are times when kind of the hallway stretches out further than others. Um, and then instead of it becoming about where this wheel is evolving, carrying you, birthing you and helping you die, it then becomes about why do things feel so goddamn bumpy? Why can't, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then we get very distracted and we can miss the exit. We can miss the exit. The, it is absolutely possible to miss our exit. Now, here's the thing. We didn't miss it forever. If you're meant to hit, if you're meant to get off on an exit, you're on a highway and you miss it, it's no big deal. You just get off at the next one and you turn around. But you and I both know that there are times when you're riding on a highway where sometimes where you choose to get off, you can hit a lot of traffic. Sometimes you have to get back on another highway to get on the highway you were going on and then turn around. It just takes more time. So that's where the story of Wheel of Fortune means that change is coming and it can either be bad or good. Um, that kind of like super black and white, really not holographic, non-inclusive um, understanding of this card developed because it, um, there's not been enough exploration. This is why we do soul centered tarot here. Um, this is why I teach this because, um, that's actually the reason why that understanding developed because we haven't understood, we haven't taken into account, like we're actually contributing to that. And it's not, it's not, we didn't do anything wrong. There's nothing in this life that is not going to bring us some kind of lesson. Like, you know, the way I think human beings learn best, my teacher says this, I agree with, I agree with it personally. I agree with it for myself. Certainly we really learn through contrast. It's really, really easy to say, wow, I know I do not want that ever again. 
<laughs> and that's contrast. It's like getting the opposite thing of what you want and going, wow, you know, this has been really helpful. This has been very enlightening. Um, and that's it. It's just a lesson in contrast. And so what? You got to get off the highway, go back around. It's like fine. You'll be fine. You'll maybe be a little frustrated and tired. It's just to say that for all this intensity, for all this complexity that this card brings forward, um, it teaches us to stay in our center, which is to say that um, it is possible in this card, in fact, what it really desires to do is to help us understand the empowerment that can be gained when we actually take our hands off the controls. And when we are present in our lives, in our center, in moments when the wheel is turning, what's actually happening inadvertently, because it doesn't always feel this way, we're not always aware of it, but inadvertently, we're actually cleaning up our lives, being with what's here and preparing for the next thing that's coming. That without this time where we're looking at like what's on my desk, what's on my floor, what's, you know, what's the, can I do the dishes? Like one dish at a time, like literally while we're doing that, as mundane and as small as it seems, we are preparing, we're clearing, we're making way, making room, making space for our next great expansion. Wheel of Fortune always takes us somewhere. Always. And remember that Wheel of Fortune's in line two. Line two is the who am I line. It's the line where we, we are meant to lose our baby teeth in a way. We are meant to lose the sense of really heady, strong empowerment that we gain in line one. That's like, I am, I am emperor. I am high priestess. This is what I am. I wield my power. I am. And we learn that we have to have that in order to lose it, <laughs> you know, um, crucial, crucial. It's not low vibe or negative or anything like that. It's just where we have to start. It's where children start. You know, they have to ideally start with a sense of, I do this. I, I make this happen. I control this. Right. Um, and in line two, we really learn that we don't have really anything in the sense that who we are was so small compared to what we're moving into that we have to kind of shed that skin in order to grow into what we're here to do. So wheel of fortune is actually our first experience in the major arcana in the fool's journey, learning how to let be learning how to let life guide us rather than us feel like we always have to be controlling the car because it's always been a self-driving car, but we really learn how to feel into that, to trust that by calling upon Wheel of Fortune as an ally for this. Now, what are some ways to stay in our center? I already spoke to you about the most crucial thing, which is literally look around you. Because I guarantee you, I keep a very clean home and there's still stuff around me to do that I don't want to do, even like shredding, shredding random things. Like, you know, I don't feel like it. It's not something that I think about, but if I'm in Wheel of Fortune, that's the, the meditation becomes, wow, let me look at, at what's present and um, can I sink into that? Can I, can I stop looking for news to come or for clarity to come or for me to, um, get a sense of where it is and I'm going, what I'm doing, you know, whatever. Um, and just open, 
just open, open, open to whatever wants to arise, whatever wants to arise. Um, and the more I am tending to what needs my attention, the more I'm coming back to that, the more the wheel can turn. And the more that life can continually be guiding me in the place that's in highest and best for me. Um, the second way to stay in our center is to call upon our tarot decks. And, you know, for those of you who've been longtime listeners, and for those of you who haven't, you know, I, you probably know, for those of you who've listened for a while, like, I read tarot pretty much only for the present moment, and to really help me understand what's here in the present. It's not something I attempted to do. It's something that I have a passion for. It's my gift is that I really like to like stretch open this moment and ask questions, really ask deep questions about like, what am I being called to pay attention to? Where I can, where can I place my focus today? Um, what's happening under the moment? What's the lesson of the moment? I want to know those things because there's nothing in the future, like when the future comes, it'll be here when it, when it arrives. It's really here that we um, set ourselves up to gain the most about, to, you know, we set ourselves up for the most aligned future, the more we're present. So the tarot, um, whether you are a student of mine or you've worked with me at all, um, the tarot is actually a phenomenal tool for the present moment. And if you can allow the tarot to, if you can allow the almost like dropping your arm at your side and really like letting it be just dead at your side. And, and, um, it's like dropping that idea of reading for the future, like what's going to happen, where am I going? What am I, and just read and focus and cultivate questions that really speak to what's here. It will really help to open because what we also start understanding with these kinds of energies is that we don't actually have to do anything. Wheel of Fortune really baptizes, not baptizes, a little tricky, but really initiates us in understanding that we're not really controlling anything anyway. We're just responding to what we're handed. And it's a very important moment where we learn instead of leaning in, trying to control this, um, I'm going to choose to be present with myself, with what is showing up in my life so that there can be space, space for me to arrive and actually be ready for what's to come. Um, and the other thing that I would say about being present, um, and centering is to pay very close attention to your emotional life because, um, one of the things about wheel of fortune is that oddly, um, it can come up in moments when I have seen this with my clients, when I used to be a reader, um, it can come up in moments when we have a lot of emotional grieving to do, when there's a lot of emotional expression, when there's emotional clearing that, that wants to be expressed, um, that we don't necessarily, um, always have the space, always have the time, always have the wherewithal to lean into, um, that is sometimes what, so there may be nothing in front of you 
like there may be nothing in your house that you kind of want to deal with or tend to. Um, but it may be that you have a huge cry that you've been holding on to for a long time and that, um, the universe is really inviting you to make space for new things around and to tend to it and to love it. Um, remember wheel of fortunes rolled by Jupiter, you know, Jupiter is the planet of good luck, good fortune. It, it wants, you know, it wants to give us all the good stuff, Jupiter, but we have to actually position ourselves to understand how it is that we're to gain that. You know, some of us, if we're to have great expansion that Jupiter affords, we have to actually work in a certain way for it. And staying in your center is work. You know, there's a huge misconception, enormous, that meditation should be easy. Bullshit. <laughs> Absolute. And it's not to say that it's not, that it's hard, but it's certainly not easy. You know, it takes a lot of, um, commitment, willingness. Some of us have very sensitive nervous systems. The brain doesn't particularly like to be peaceful. So it kicks up a lot of dust. Like sometimes we don't feel like it, you know, meditation is not always easy. So, um, and what we're talking about isn't truly meditation, but being in our center, being present to what is when we would really prefer to know what's coming, um, is challenging. And so when we get wheel of fortune, we can start by literally just retraining the eye, moving it from like out into the distance where nothing is going to be perceptible to right here. And everybody has different right here's. Your right here might be that you're going through enormous grief, huge mother wounding. Your right here might be that you've suffered a loss. It might be that um, you're angry with your work situation. Um, and it's, not to say that if you've suffered a loss, you're angry at your work situation, whatever, that you're diving into the trauma and the anger, but actually reaching for support and solidarity and resources to help you be with those things. Because usually when we have experiences like that, you know, we're not always really trained or even knowledge on how to reach out for the help we need in that. Even those of us who have understanding experience, you know, it takes a long time after moving through big life experiences to really know, whoa, I'm going to need to call something in for this. This is important for me, for them, you know, for myself. Um, just looking at what's here right now, it might be that like, you know, I feel like I'm always saying this on this podcast because like I'm a Virgo rising and this is just what we do. But um, like I'm always talking about like I have to clean out my storage unit. <laughs> I've said that like through the years so many times and it's true. Like, you know, it fills up, It you know, whatever. Um, like I'm always making space. And that's a lot of the time like I have one of those lives that's just I'm always called to be a little bit more minimal. Um, and so, yeah, you know what's here for you. How can you nourish yourself? How can you serve yourself? How can you live a good present life while life turns around you? How can you make those choices? How can you center, stay in your center, not freak out? not make it bumpier, not make it harder, not make it longer, 
but actually choose to be with what's here. Cause I'll tell you something, there's never going to be a time when you're not going to, when you're going to pull wheel of fortune and not have something to pay attention to right here, right now. That's part of the deal is that there's usually something that wants our attention always that we're unwilling to pay attention to, not necessarily because it's so heavy, but because we want to know what's going to happen next. We want to know we have a false sense of security around our future. And Wheel of Fortune, if we're willing to fully surrender to it, actually can break us of that and can fully open us to a new life in which we realize that we can be shifted and guided to our next destination, as it were, the next cycle of our lives. And we don't have to do anything but show up with what's here. So very powerful, very common. I'll say this again, to pull wheel of fortune and to feel nothing. It's a card of enormous, and we're going to go into kind of the symbolism and the iconography on the Smith Rider weight in a moment. Um, very common to pull this card in your day and just think like, I like don't, you know, I don't really feel anything. Um, very common. In fact, I would say almost the norm to get Wheel of Fortune and to really sense like you're just kind of bopping around your house, not really doing much. Um, that's the point is that it's a heads up that life is turning in a much bigger way. Don't try to reach out to the tire, try to really stay in the center. That's sort of the, the deal, you know, around that. Um, sometimes when we pull wheel of fortune, we have a sense if we're really like now when I pull wheel of fortune, it's such a bomb, such a friend. It's a relief when I pull it because I just think like, Oh my God, great. I don't have to do anything. And when my brain, cause it always does pulls me out and tries to say like, Oh, we have to figure out where we're going, what we're doing. Oh my God. Because I'm a human and I have the same brains as everybody else. Um, I just, I've had so many rounds, I've had so many times around the block with Wheel of Fortune that it's just a pal now. Like I really know it's here as, as a friend and as a little ally, just saying, you know, there's a lot more in front of you that's asking for your attention. The more you can be with that, um, the more easeful this can be, you know, the it's slightly more easeful, sometimes often uncomfortable still, but easeful more. Um, so Yeah. We get to learn that we don't have to do anything to have movement of movement unfold in our lives. So um, let's talk a little bit about um, what's on the Wheel of Fortune card in the Smith Rider weight. <clears throat> so again, you know, this is just a beginning. This is a slight, um, this is a slight touching in to what's on here. And I'm sure some people know things that I'm not going to say. And I'm sure some people have heard of other things that I didn't say or that, you know, differently. I just want to remind everybody, everyone's a teacher. It's totally beautiful if I didn't touch on something. And if you have an understanding of it, then it's for you. And I think that that's wonderful. But this is just a, a little taste of some of the stuff here. So you can begin to kind of bring a deeper understanding to it. So we're going to start, um, on the outside of the wheel. So on the edges of the Smith Rider weight wheel of fortune card, we have, um, four, um, beings. We have a bull, 
an angel, a lion, and an eagle. So uh, there are a few things that those represent. So the first of them is the four fixed signs of astrology. Taurus is the bull, Aquarius is the angel, Leo is the lion, and Scorpio is the eagle. Um, historically, these also represented biblically the four evangelists. Um, each of them are holding a Torah. Uh, we can think of just the, the vast understanding of knowledge, of, of wisdom, um, any book that represents that kind of uh, power. You know, it's the same energy that's in the scroll that um, the uh, high priestess uh, carries. You know, of course, the Torah is a sacred and holy book. Not everybody who uses the Smith Rider Waite card um, has a connection with the Torah. So while we deeply bow to and respect the medicine of the Torah, um, it's wonderful to expand our understanding out and say, you know, if we can think of a book essentially filled with the mysteries of life, that's really what these four beings are engaging with up on these clouds. Um, there um, is some interesting history with these figures. Uh, in Judaism, they're known as the angels of fire. In Christianity, they're known as the cherubim. Um, they, uh, in religious history, essentially like work for God, are um, attending to God. And again, um, there's probably a lot more specificity I could give to that, but we're generalizing here on purpose. Um, but the four fixed signs of astrology uh it's a powerful place to look at it because, you know, fixed signs are here to help us evolve our sense of purpose and focus. That's part of what they do. Um, and each of the four fixed signs has a different quality of focus, a different quality of energy that we're working with on that. So very powerful to understand that we have a sense of rootedness, a sense of rooted wisdom, rooted learning that is also connected to the air. So holding space for this turning wheel are these four gatekeepers, four gatekeepers that represent the four elements, because we have earth, air, fire, and water present um, in these four fixed signs. Um, we also have this sense of huge um religious, you know, God-centered medicine. But of course, the tarot is ours to evolve. And that's the point of looking at this because not everybody is going to look at these and think cherubim. And I certainly don't. But it is interesting to know where they came from. And it's powerful to really look out and say, well, what is the way you know, when I think of myself holding space for this great unfolding, this great turning, what is the way that I can affix, fix my attention and my energy to something that is going to help me expand and grow? It doesn't mean we're going to pick up a Torah or a Bible. Certainly not. But we see these attentive figures, these figures who are here to represent fixed states, focused states, honoring and moving their energy through a book. And that is a beautiful example of something. The way that your wheel of fortune understanding can take you is literally to books. I have 
moved through so many Wheel of Fortunes in my time, reading through all of Harry Potter, reading through like Stephen King books, just focusing my energy on something that actually brings me delight and pleasure. It doesn't always have to be um, like doing the dishes. It can really be that. And obviously I don't want to compare the Torah to, you know, I want to always be really respectful of that. But um, again, this is not, the tarot is not religious. The tarot took religious iconography and utilized it as an example of a shared, hopefully universal language. And we get to keep continuing to evolve that language into a way that makes sense for us because not everybody is religious. So, um, the, it's just interesting to know that the archetypes that hold, hold the wheels turning are fixed and learning and fixed in the center of clouds, which are ever moving, ever changing, connected to air. So there's a wonderful sense of lightness, of airiness, of movement, and of rootedness. Very important to know. Um, so on the wheel, actually riding the wheel, are these three figures, and we're kind of going to start with the snake and move through the revolution of the wheel. So we have um, a snake moving down to the left. The snake has a name, um, and I don't remember, and that's just the truth, and I'm sorry, <laughs> but the, um, uh, you can certainly look it up. I'm sure that, um, you know, this is pretty textbook definition, what I'm talking about with this card. So, um, it's definitely available to you, but we think of this idea, the Ouroboros, the snake eating its own tail, the life, death, life cycle, snakes die and rebirth constantly through shedding their skins, through, you know, and that is holding the movement down into the left. So we have the snake holding the intuition, the wisdom on the lunar side of the wheel, which um, holds this life-death life cycle and the sense of um, never-ending um, evolution, revolution of self, um, which leads us to the Anubis, which is the little kind of red figure that's kind of stretched out over the bottom right side of the wheel. Um, and the Anubis is the god of the dead. The Anubis ruled um, embalming, uh, the afterlife, the underworld, uh, of all dead bodies, um, journeyed with the souls into the afterlife. So this is actually the holder of death and, um, the one who traveled in and out of the two worlds. So we're bridging the two worlds together. And then at the top of the wheel sits the Sphinx. It's really interesting, right? Because, um, in Egypt, the Sphinx was, you know, thought to be and was upheld as this, um, mystery keeper, um, this gatekeeper, this keeper of riddles. And, um, in Greece, it was seen as a really strong omen of destruction. So, um, there's a, depending on what you know of sphinxes, and I think depending on what we're, um, what our understanding of these archetypes are, um, the sphinx is holding all possibilities, is it bad? Is it good? Are we going to get tricked? Are we not? Very much like life. Very much like life. Um, and the Sphinx also holds a sword, very significant in the tarot. Always significant when someone holds a sword. Always significant when that sword is straight up, 
or tilted. And on the Wheel of Fortune card in the Smith Rider Waite, it's a little tilted. And that doesn't mean that someone's being dishonest, but it does mean that there is a spiralic sense of truth. Um, the way that we so often want what life to be black and white, and it literally never is. <laughs> so um, we have a kind of a balance with the Sphinx. We have this idea that life is a mystery and that we will bring to the way someone answers a riddle is going to be completely different than the way another person does. Um, and no matter how we may engage with the energy of the Sphinx, there's always a sense that there's some figure on the wheel holding um, the source of truth and knowledge. But we're going to get to it in a very interesting way. So those three figures kind of ride this wheel again and again and again, the snake, the Anubis, and the Sphinx, the great mystery, the movement constantly into, into the land of the dead, into the land of life, into the land of the dead, um, and the snake constantly, constantly reinventing itself. So all kinds of different ways of engaging with um, life, death, and mystery. And then um, within the wheel, we have... Um, uh, R-O-T-A, which uh, rota, which is actually the Latin word for wheel, where we can see it as tarot, which um, used to be what the tarot was called. Um, we also, interspaced with those four letters, have the tetragrammaton, which is the four-letter Hebrew word for God. Um, obviously, so much more to that than I could ever bring, but that's what's present, the barest definition of it. Um, so we have this sense of... Um, of mystery, of, of the unnameable God, of, of life, of the, um, literally of, of names that we don't even have language for, that we don't even bring language to. They're above and beyond us, just this holder of mystery, um, and of also the mundaneness of this wheel just turning and turning and turning, whether we're, um, a part of it or not a part of it. And the very, very middle of the wheel, we have the symbols for salt, mercury, sulfur, and water, earth, air, fire, and water, really the building blocks of life. Um, and we have a circle with eight rays. So we know that, um, you know, eight, um, obviously very significant, not just because it is a number that represents huge transformation, huge shifts, but also if you flip it to its side, it is an infinity loop. So, um, eight in the tarot is really the card where we walk into a situation in one way and we walk out of it changed. We walk out of it differently. Um, and when we think of the infinity loop, what we're doing with that, um, idea is that we're blending our consciousness with a higher consciousness. Um, and so the eight rays really represent, um, you know, a connection with something greater, something stronger. Um, so there's an actual infinity loop kind of embedded in the card itself. Um, so we start with earth. We start literally from, um, you know, the very center of this wheel. We're starting with almost a big bang. We're starting with a little point of which 
all of these energies are bursting out of. We have the building blocks of life, and then we have kind of myth um, and the holders of these mysteries. And we have, you know, the unnameable word for God. We have um, the sense of wheel, the sense of tarot. Um, and then from there, we have these m- much more esoteric um, figures that are holding this situation. But we start small and everything radiates out from there. Um, and through the way we're attempting to understand and explain, uh, you know, we're, we're developing language, we're moving from symbol to actual language and word, and then we're moving into symbol and archetype, and then we're moving into uh, books, knowledge, learning. So very interesting. You know, of course, there's like so much more that someone else could bring to it. Um, that's the beauty of this card really. And, um, the loveliness of, of life, because we're just always learning new things and new perspectives can be brought to things that are quite extraordinary. Um, there's no real reversal to this card in my opinion. Now, my opinion doesn't mean Dick because, um, your opinion is more important. Um, which means that if you have a strong relationship to Wheel of Fortune Reversed, you're right. (laughs) Um, I never want to take that away from anybody. Um, Your relationship with the tarot can never be subtracted minus from. Um, But I do want to say that um, there is power in recognizing that a wheel really has no up-down. It really doesn't have anything. So if we're going to look at Wheel of Fortune reversed, we can think of it like, um, you know, do we need a little bit of extra support, extra resourcing around staying in our center? Is there a little bit more happening there um, than maybe we um, feel that we can cope with alone, but I'll tell you what, sometimes I feel that way when wheel of fortune is right side up. So that's why I've not always felt into the strength of a wheel of fortune reversal, but again, like who am I, you know, it's really about you. Um, just in my personal experience, my opinion, I think there's something really beautiful to be said for letting the wheel of fortune just be to, to just be what it is, whether or not, um, you know, whether we, uh, see it as right side up or reversed, it really is bringing the same medicine. Also really nice to consider the magician in this, because of course, if we, um, combine one and zero as wheel of fortune is ruled by the number 10, uh, we get the magician. Um, it's so wonderful to see how we evolve in the fool's journey because the magician is really just the height of will. It's just like the height of like, you can't get any more connected to personal power, free will, and yet aligned free will, aligned power, aligned magic, because the magician is surrounded by forces of balance. The magician is absolutely, um, holding, you know, the altar is set up with a completely balanced, um, set of elements, you know, the, uh, two-sided wand that the magician is holding is open at the bottom and on the top is pointing up and down. And that represents the magician's vessel, you know, they're open conduit and they're not doing anything out of alignment with great spirit, with earth, with, um, whatever you want to call that. Um, however you lean into that idea. Um, so the magic, what, what's sort of getting channeled through the magician is what's meant to be channeled 
through the magician. Um, and Wheel of Fortune takes all of that power and says, what if all that power ran through you and you just allowed it to be there? You allowed it to assimilate without needing to take it from inside of you, out of you, which is really what the magician's all about. Like you, really the job of the magician is to channel and then pull it out and put it out into the earth. Um, and Wheel of Fortune says, can you stay within while all of this swirls around you? While, all, while you feel all of it moving you, almost like you're being carried. Like my the image in my head is us laying out on water, having these two hands sort of like move us around in, in a pool, like really just feeling like we're being moved rather than um, a sense that we're doing the moving. And that's really the evolution, if we're going to talk numerologically, that can be really nice to think about this idea of infinity loop as well, um, very connected to the two cards. So, and that's really it for this. Um, I'm delighted to share that I have a special bonus um, kind of spread um, extended exercise um, about this card that's available. It's totally free and available for you to download now. Um, and that link is up in the show notes. You can also go to my Instagram at Wild Soul Healing, click the link in my Instagram profile and you'll find that. Um, and uh, there'll be a little bit more in there about ways to kind of center just a, a little bit of a reframing and a a repetition of what was spoken about here. But if you'd like things to be kind of like written down for you, um, you can get that there. Um, so if you'd like to strengthen and support this lesson in your relationship with Wheel of Fortune a little bit more, there's an exercise to help you do that. Um, thank you so much for listening, Wild Souls. I hope this was informative and helpful. I hope you're all doing really well. Next week, we're going to have a continuation, a part two of trusting the inner voice, right? Answer some more of your wonderful questions about ways to trust our intuition. And there were so many good ones that it just really afforded a, a part two. And then we'll have monthly medicine the week after that. Um, thank you so much for your presence. Um, if you like this podcast, please consider going on iTunes and giving us a five-star review and, um, definitely subscribing. It makes such a difference to have subscribers because it just allows people to find us. And that's better as if you like it. <laughs> it's a nice thing that you can do. And if you don't like it, just don't leave any review. You don't have to listen. Um, and, uh, I think that's it. Follow me on Instagram at wild soul healing. Um, but m most, mostly just know that I love you and take really good care of yourselves. Um, and until our next episode, um, please be well. Thank you so much for listening to Tarot for the Wild Soul. This podcast was edited by Chase Voorhees. The podcast art is by Chelsea Iris Granger, and it is hosted by me, Lindsay Mack. For more about the podcast, visit wildsoulpodcast.com or follow us on Instagram at Tarot for the Wild Soul. For more about me and my work, please visit lindsaymack.com. To support Tarot for the Wild Soul, please consider subscribing to the podcast on iTunes and leaving us a five-star review. It helps people find us and it is greatly, greatly appreciated. Thank you so much for being here.